Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 845. Love Talk Radio. 277- 9143 Come on in for a power lunch revolutionary. The glorious
One and all, greetings, greetings, and if you were not here moments ago, I remind you to just breathe, remember to breathe and breathe again, for indeed the breath of life is indeed what fuels our body, but also is our connection, one of our connections to spirit, to the divine, is to just pause, Hold still and breathe. Eshuale guana kosi weary. Awa umbo utoni iwo. Ada afanbo osi. O batalami itani ebo onilu yabani shu. Eshu is the respected elder who flogs, confronts, and covers fools. That one burst in mysteries uses truth to own you. He calls the scatter to feed poverty. Obatala shakes rascals to have sacrifice. The owner of warnings is the one who is Eshu, Abubu, Aboye, Aboshishe, Ashe. May our Ebo reach a room. May our Ebo be accepted. May our Ebo indeed allow what we desire to come to pass. And so we say Ashe, Asheo, and Ashe. You are indeed now sitting live once again with the Divine Prince. Divine all blessed greetings and salutations. I am the Pan-African spiritualist, practitioner, author, and advisor. Elagun, Oloye, Hudu, Obea, Bokor. Sharing with you in all things spiritual, mystical, metaphysical, cosmic, evolutionary, revolutionary, healing, and holistic from a Pan-African, Hoodoo, world spiritualist perspective. Understanding that all is truly and indeed a blessing. If you can just see beyond the veils, for it is all just an illusion and a test and one of the greatest divine mysteries of this life cycle. This is indeed my constant prayer, my mantra, affirmation, reverberation, my reiteration, and it is indeed my ever-living reality. All is a blessing is crucial to the very foundation of my inner standing, my inner being, my walk, my work, my demonstration along this divine, all-blessed life path and journey, and it is indeed how I, the divine prince, 
make sense out of all that we are challenged with here in our daily existence on Mother, Father Earth. And my personal place of power and understanding, that place from where I began and where I realized and crystallized all my endeavors, understanding that I and I alone create and co-create my divine destiny, and I and I alone create and co-create my divine all-blessed reality. So it is. Ashe. I am so honored and, and blessed to be with you in this sacred space this Wednesday, November 10th, 2021. I am, indeed I am because my creators are. Indeed I am because I stand on the shoulders of mighty ancestors. Indeed I am because I understand my place and my position within the I am. And so I am because my creators are powerful, open, and receptive to all that operates for my good here and now in this most present moment in time space. And we create spiritual space, creative space, magical space, each and every time we come together like this in this virtual reality. One day soon we're going to talk about the mega verse reality. <laughs> but I digress. I'm also thrilled, exceptionally thrilled, because the beloved Denise Augustine is also with us today. Master historian, master teacher, educator, tour guide, griot, indeed the manifestation of what New Orleans and Treme indeed is and are and will continue to be as we fight for a cultural legacy. We were in Congo Square in front of the Municipal Auditorium earlier today, this morning at 10 a.m. for a press conference, uh, in response to Mayor Cantrell's uh, spokesperson uh, suggesting that uh, moving City Hall to Congo Square was dead in the water. But we want to hear from Mayor Cantrell directly. Um, we want to hear her say those words. We would like all the legal documentation pulled. Uh, we would like all the proposals and offers for uh, contractors to get involved in the redevelopment of, of City Hall to, to be pulled as it relates to Congo Square. And we need black and white documentation uh, of this detour as it relates to our sacred space. So we continue to fight. And indeed, we have an army. We've amassed a, 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 a legion of assistance from within the spirit realm, but also here on the ground. Uh, so we, we are ready to create the cultural legacy footprint in Armstrong Park at Municipal Auditorium as we would have it to show up. I'm wearing just a little bit of makeup today. and I'm a little dehydrated, so I'm going to be yeah, it's just, it's just a paper towel. Don't don't panic. <laughs> Greetings all that I have not uh, already acknowledged. Come on in, Nina Lloyd. Come on in, uh, Lateria Daniel. Greetings and blessings to you as well. Come on in, Angel. We certainly are appreciative of you being a, a regular participant. Greetings to beloved uh, Orisha, Eva Orisha, Mojuba Orisha. Uh, or whoever made that earlier comment, uh, Shamafia, uh, Ia Orisha, that's 
uh, Mrs. Bougie. <laughs> that's, that's who Mrs. Bougie is, Ia Alicia. Come on in, beloved. We certainly are appreciative of you, thankful for you, grateful for your continued support, participation, um, um, commitment, if you will, to not just uh, me and, and my house, uh, but indeed to voodoo and establishing and reestablishing uh, ATR traditions as a way of life, as a foundational way of life in not just our lives. And we've got to continue to bring this out of the closet. We've made great strides uh, in the last 20 years, in the last 15 years, in the last five years. Uh, but, but we need to continue to bring this out of the closet and ensure that our traditions are not only honored, but respected. And that's one of the things that give me such joy about Denise Augustine and her demonstration is how we continue to not only share our sacred stories, uh, but live our sacred stories as cultural representatives, as cultural bearers, uh, as teachers and and mentors and and elders, uh, the both of us and, and many more. So I'm always grateful to have her with us. She stays pretty busy. She's always with us in spirit. But sometimes I got to get her in the flesh to, to, to come on in and give us, you know, updates about what's happening with our, our sacred stories. I, I'm sh- sure we want to talk about uh, the Catholic cemeteries. I, I promised my audience that at some point we would also share and dus- discuss in a greater detail um, what's evolving, for lack of better words, around the Catholic cemeteries and our access to the Catholic cemeteries, and particularly Marie Laveau, who many of you love and adore and honor and show great worship for. And people like me, I would not be in New Orleans if it were not for Marie Laveau. Uh, Marie Laveau asked me to stay here. Marie Laveau demanded that I build ministry here. Marie Laveau gave the hands up to where I am today you know, in many respects um, of my life. So I'm sure we're going to talk about, you know, our beloved cemeteries and particularly the Catholic cemeteries and and some discussion of Marie Laveau while we have our beloved uh, E.I. and elder and mentor uh, Denise Augustine with us. We invite your participation by way of phone, area code 845-277-91. Four, three. You can also join us by way of chat at both the blogtalkradio.com forward slash the hyphen divine hyphen prince. But you can also join us by using the StreamYard link and plug in your webcam and mic and also join us as a co-host on today's powerful episode of Revolutionary Voodoo. New Orleans Voodoo Secrets and Recipes. We are indeed going to acknowledge that it's a green day. It's a green and purple day for those who understand the code. Uh, So we we are indeed going to acknowledge uh, the powers that give us voice, that speak to us by way of the craft of divination from the spirit realms. 
we are indeed going to acknowledge Eshu and and in Legwa and Elegba and 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 uh, Ananasi and the other so-called trickster spirits that open and close doors for us. We are indeed acknowledging Oshun and our Jay for our luck and our blessings and our well-being and our wealth and our happiness and our joy. And, of course, Yema Yah, Mama Yema Yah, and, and Mami Wata for cleansing us and bathing us and renewing us as new creatures, even in the midst of the, the hellish realities that we often exist in here on planet, planet Mother Father Earth. Of course, Olokun, who captures and holds the, the truth behind the mysteries and our Egbe, our spirit families, our soulmate clans, if you will, that come to help us to continue to grow and evolve and to become God and goddess. For indeed, we are born God. We are born goddess just like we're born human. We, we grow from infancy to adolescence to young adulthood to maturity. But indeed, we are born human, so we are born God. We are on our journey to becoming God, multidimensionally, interdimensionally, simultaneously. And so I am grateful for Denise being with us for a little while. She might be with us for an hour or so, maybe. And we're going to bring her in so we can handle OurSacredStories.com, OurSacredStories.com business and give you an opportunity to ask your questions and, and make your comments and, and offer your request. Come on now, in. How you doing? How are your doing, body now? Doing well. Doing well. Uh, uh, the weather's beautiful. Our sacred stories are still active. Uh, as for the cemetery news, so as we all know, the Catholic Church, the Archdiocese of New Orleans, who owns the oldest uh, cemeteries in the city has closed them as of March of 20, uh, 2020. And uh, there were several of us, over 60 companies that had contracted with them to go in the cemeteries, bring our clients in uh, to talk about Marie Laveau and Plessy and to just give the story of the African connection uh, in the most Africanized city in America. Uh, being that we were one of the largest slave ports in America, and uh, sugar was the crop that was so addictive to the Europeans, many of the enslaved population here uh, was brought to grow sugar, and this increased after 1795 when they learned to uh, commercial, commercially uh, uh, treat sugar, granulated. And so we have a large population, not of enslaved people, but we also had a large population of free people of color. So our culture and tradition lives on. Now, after the cemetery, the Archdiocese of New Orleans decided to void all of our contracts and give the contract to the, for the operation of this cemetery to one family by the name of the Valentinos and to uh, keep everybody else out. Now, the story is, and I have no proof of this, but this is the 
word on the street is that uh, they have forbidden any conversation about voodoo once they go to the Marie Lago too. Now, we know that 150,000 people come to New Orleans every year just to go to her tomb. So now it is my understanding that they're forbidding the word voodoo or any African-based spirituality or religion at her tomb. I've also been told that Homer Plessy's tomb will not be mentioned. So what this feels like to me is that they're completely trying to take uh, our story away from us or to um, make null and void the African story of, of New Orleans. Uh, so we're all locked out at this time. But I promise you, as long as I draw breath and stand on two feet or be rolled around in a wheelchair, I am going to tell the story of how we built this city, this culture, these traditions, how prevalent it is that everything you touch about New Orleans has an African flavor. We're somewhere in that story. Everything from the, the growing of rice to the making of gumbo to the jazz to the second line. Uh, we're not finished creating didn't Big Freedom come along and teach y'all how to bounce and twerk and bounce and twerk? Honey, this is a living culture. We're living inside of a culture that is constantly in motion. We're still building things upon this culture uh, to give to the world. So I have a wonderful announcement to make. As you know, I've known Divine Prince for many years. And Divine Princess is dedicated to, to this story of New Orleans as I am. And years ago, he suggested that we do a tour plus experience. So I have contracted with him on this uh, new venture, tour plus experience. I will do the first half the tour, and then after two and a half hours of me giving you the structure, the foundation, the understanding of this culture, tradition, and, and, and uh, history, and how voodoo got started, and how it exists inside of the Catholic Church, and how it exists inside the Baptist Church, and why the spiritual church got started here, where they hid their voodoo, or some of their voodoo. They're still hiding their voodoo, and we'll talk about that. And after two and a half hours of talking about the music of New Orleans, uh, Mardi Gras, black magic traditions, two and a, it's going to take me two and a half hours to talk about the first neighborhood set aside. So, uh, I will then hand you off to the divine prince to do uh, the second half of this tour. So I am happy to announce that we will be starting this venture. Uh, it is up to him to do the bookings. 
uh, and I will give him the times I'm available. Once again, I'll be in France from the 28th to the 5th, because every time uh, I, I do uh, African, you see, Paris and France is also connected to our African traditions in that, thank God the French here got here, the French got here first. This is the first successful, uh, Haiti was the first successful slave revolt, and it was on, on, on under the French, the brutality of slavery, no matter who, you cannot do you cannot be a slave holder or drive the slave economy without without committing trauma, murder, uh, violence? Slavery is rooted in violence, and we will talk about the slave revolt, how it increased the sla- the uh, black population to New Orleans after this revolt, during this revolt. Um, and how it increased voodoo. Uh, West Africa, Senegal was once a French colony. They speak fluent French in Senegal. And so when you take a, a DNA test here, and your family has been here for seven generations like mine, of course, Senegal is more than likely to show up. 41% Senegalese. That's what came out of my DNA, 41%. And I knew that already, because I grew up with them voodoo practitioners. Listen now, we're going to talk voodoo, and then we're going to talk hoodoo. And so uh, people ask me, oh, Denise, oh, Miss Denise, what's the difference? Well, voodoo is a religion. Hoodoo is what I do. Uh, Hoodoo is where we get active. Voodoo is based in tradition and uh, folk medicine, and because after all, voodoo is a healing religion. We seek to heal something, find something, stop something, start something. So it is the activity that we do, but we'll talk about that. And so I am thrilled with our new uh, our new business venture together. You will meet me first under our sacred tree. And then after two and a half hours of me uh, implanting you with who you are, I need to I need to download who you are. We're not only going to talk about slavery, but we're going to talk about our successes, how we took over this city, how we successfully navigated inside of of slavery to become free, to become wealthy. Uh, I tell people all the time. Uh, when I meet a black woman in New Orleans and I'll say, honey, what do you do for a living? Because you'll know uh, immediately when I meet young black women, I turn into their mother or, or the woman that they need or the woman that they never had or I'm looking to fill a void because sometimes mama can't do everything and sometimes you can't have that conversation that you have with her or can't have that conversation with her that you can have for me because I'm not going to judge you. I don't know your story, so you tell it to me. But I'll go, baby, tell me what you do for a living. And they'll go, oh, Miss Denise, I work at the hospital. And then I get this look on my face, and I'll say, all right, tell me what else you do. Because I know these West Africans have a job, a hat, and a hustle. 
Black women have a job and have to hustle. Oh, Mr. News, don't cook on, on Friday, because we know, they know we get paid on Friday. Oh, don't cook on Friday, I fry fish, I'm making potato salad, we're going to have this, 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 and I'm going to slice you a piece of pound cake. How much, baby? Mr. News, give me 12 hours. And I'll look at them and say, go to 15. Go to 15. Get your money. They're going to spend it with somebody. When they go to the mother people and the mother people ask them for 15 a place, they don't get dessert. So a job, a half, and a hustle is what we do. And uh, we'll talk about all of that. I have two and a half hours with you, baby. And so then Divine Prince will do the ritual part. So I'm happy to say that we are open and available. Uh, he will do the, oh, I'm losing, I'm losing my life. He will do the bookings. I will do the stories. And uh, we look forward to seeing you when you visit the most Africanized city in America. And, of course, not only will I do the bookings, but I will do the voodoo as a part of your experience with our sacred stories. For, indeed, voodoo is infused, in my opinion, it's infused in everything New Orleans. I also uh, like to say that almost everything American has some roots some beginning in Louisiana. And so we will often share that also as a part of the, the experience. And sometimes, you know, the experience is organic, you know, depending on who, who does the booking, what, what group is coming, what your uh, particular interest uh, might be. Uh, Denise can talk your ear off about just food <laughs> and, and, and its cultural historic value. Uh, with I'm making sure for dinner tonight, by the way. Shrimp Clemenceau, look it up. It's an old French Creole recipe. Yes, indeed. So I'm certainly grateful um, for that. The idea that, you know, Marie Laveau would be erased or hidden uh, from the story is not new. Uh, I remember that being a part of the discussion, if you remember, back the year of Hurricane Katrina when uh, Big Sheep Tootie Montana died in the middle of that city council meeting. Uh, it was a discussion then about eliminating uh, St. Joe's Night uh, voodoo activities uh, in the parks and in the, in the cemeteries. Uh, and it was uh, one of the precursors, in my opinion, spiritually speaking, for why uh, Hurricane Katrina was just so ferocious and, and did this sort of uh, disrupting damage that it did. And we've been struggling with the rebuild still from Hurricane Katrina. And then we've had to battle new storms, Hurricane Ida, um, and of course the political storms that uh, come and go that act to keep us distracted often from, you know, the goal and, and protecting, you know, the goal. So so the idea of them sort of playing around with that story is not new. Let me tell you, I want to interject something if you don't mind. Please. It is a constant battle to keep from being wiped out of history in New Orleans. It is a constant battle. And every time they try, people like me, now y'all know I should be sitting home, but every time they try, to wipe this story out, I get regenerated, invigorated. I will work. I tell my granddaughter, baby, I know you're capable of taking care of me, but I'm going to drop dead on a tour 
telling our story, not only am I going to tell it, I'm going to train people to tell it. I will not let the story of my ancestors who came here broken and confused and half dead after that horrific boat ride chained to another person laying in filth. If my ancestors can survive all of that, worse food, beating, disregard for their humanity, disrespect it. If they can survive that to learn the language of French, because when they came here, they didn't speak it. When When the Spanish took over, they learned Spanish. And when the English took Louisiana in 1803, they learned English. If they can do all of that, learn to grow their own crops and survive, I can tell this story and train people to tell this story. This story of us, we are the story of New Orleans. We're the story of Louisiana. And no matter what happens, our story must continue to be told. And so people like me, maybe the spirits are alive and working. I'm not the only one. Every time they try to try to wipe us out, wipe our story out, I'm not the only one. There's a group of other ones who are as dedicated as I am to tell the story. And so uh, instead of staying home and uh, making my T-shirts and making my shrines for people, I'm going to be out there. Miss Denise is going to be out there. I'm going to tell it with my last breath. Our success, the success. Do you know we all black women owned half the French Quarter at one time? How do you come here and own nothing? And owning nothing? And why? Do, if you get, you see, that is the way we operate. If you open that door, we you open it just a little bit, and we're gonna kick that puppy wide open. Hustle is our name. Hustle is our mm-hmm. middle name. Mm-hmm. What's your first name? My name's Linda. Well, hustle is your second name. You got to have that job, that happen, that hustle. Because it's in you. It's in your DNA. And, yeah. I'm, and I'm not suggesting that and I'm not suggesting that we created the hustle. Uh, but indeed we perfect the hustle. It's took, in our DNA. Took the hustle to a very different level um in Congo Square, where we gave birth to sort of vending. And, and mobile selling just beyond your friends, your family, your neighbors, but, but going out into the community. And, and we think of, you know, our ancestors, you know, selling produce, selling cooked goods, but there was so much more involved in that. There was the transport of information. There That's was the right. transport of resources. There, was, there were the things that were hidden in that cart underneath the pralines. You know, underneath the watermelons that, that got moved. our medicine. Yeah, that got moved from, from one Spiritual location. Spiritual and, and medicinal. Spiritual medicine and medicinal. And they wanted to wipe out our bending, but they were dependent on it. They sure wasn't going to go grow no greens and, and uh, uh, grow sweet potatoes. They wasn't going to get out there and dirty their hands. They wanted to actually put an end to our bending in Congo Square. But then they would have starved. We stabbed this colony. And so spirit, once again, 
Once again, spirit is always active in your survival. Always. You may not be able to see it, but there's a whole play being worked out behind you in the spirit realm, taking care of you. So sometimes, my people, my children, you got to know that surrender is your greatest power. When you say, you know what, I cannot do this, and I surrender it to spirit, that's when spirit says, okay, I just needed you to give up. I just needed you to stop fighting. Uh, I let you run into that wall 15 times. Now let me work on it. Let me. Once you surrender, then spirit steps in. Spirit will step in. And and I teach that often it's your ancestors. The illusion, key word is the illusion. The illusion of an issue of market complication is what you don't know. And our ancestors and God and the spirits are on the other side. They're, they have a greater degree of visibility forwards and backwards than we do. And so often your ancestors are creating the illusion of a blocking issue, a complication to get your hard head to stop, to get you to slow down, to get you to make a left when you're trying to make a right to get you to make a detour, and in many cases, just to be still and quiet. You know, some of you have a visceral negative response to words like humility, to words like surrender, to words like passive. But but we're talking about to the spirits, because it's often not your friends, your family that is, is blocking your way. It's what you think you know, what you think you understand, that overriding voice in your head that, that's t- over-talking when knowledge is being given by the elder or, or by spirit. And so, you know, I don't get a negative response when I hear elders like Denise use words like surrender because I understand what that is. It, it's, it's human to understand the limitations of your humanness. That's right. But it's also divine to understand that there's no limitations within the realm of spirit. That's right. So we must surrender to allow spirit to speak, to allow spirit to work. And so in, in these traditions, when, we, we, when we're adhering to the moon cycle every four days, we acknowledge those spirits that speak divination, that speak through your cards, through your bones, through, through, through your uh, uh, obiabata, through your colonnade. Those spirits that speak through your Bible, you know, there's a form of divination, you know, where you sort of flip your Bible, some of you are doing, you know, and, and wherever you land, you know, spirit speaks right. to you, you know, through those words. So, so we all act within a realm of divination in some form. Uh, some of you are doing it through astrology, you know, doing it through the movement of the planets, you know, and, and they're all pieces of a pie, if you will, slices of a pie, when brought together, gift, gift us whole messages, whole ideas, whole ways of getting out of things that we, you know, in our flesh think we have no way out of. Um, she and I both have, have manifest the impossible <laughs> more than once. You know, spirit I need, ancestors I need, and, and it comes through and comes through in abundance. So we acknowledge those spirits that govern the crossroads, that open and close doors. That's right. You have to acknowledge Legba. You have to acknowledge Eshu, but lest you trip up yourself. 
lest you slip up in, in, in a pile of a dog mess of your own creation, <laughs> you know, if we don't humble ourselves, if we don't find some uh, serenity in accepting, because it's an empowerment act for me, and accepting that God and the ancestors are so much bigger than what I think I can come up with. Open people, my old folks used to say, oh, you sneeze that truth out, didn't you? And let me tell you, if you wake up between 3 and 5 in the morning, please do not fight to go back to sleep. Between 3 and 5 in the morning, those spirits are going to speak the truth. Don't fight to go back. You woke up between 3 and 5 for a reason. The world is quiet where you are. So you have got to, this is the time, get up, go sit on your sofa and say, what is it? What is it that I need to know? And then go quiet because spirit cannot speak if you run in your mouth. Just say, what is it that I need to know? And just sit there. And whatever you need to know is going to be taught to you. The other thing I want to say, you can't get out the house. You got to go make the groceries. You got to go run the errands. You can't find the keys. Something ain't right. Can't get off the house. Something is holding you up. You get in the car. Oh, I forgot my wallet. Get out the, get back out the car. Go, go get the wallet. When you are delayed and you start to feel that uh, uh, anxiety, go up into you. Honey, you are delayed for your own good. Our spirit is holding you up away from that accident, that bad encounter. Something is, is delaying you for, for, for your own mental and spiritual health. Well, if you wake up at three, you need to get out that bed and sit for a while. You can always go back to bed. But you need to find out what's going on. I, that's when I get my answers in that. And Danette, and Danette is one of my godchildren. She she know better. You, she know, she you, know should, that. you should have a journal right next to your bed. That's right. Right next to your bed. And not just a device, a journal, pen and paper. Pencil that's and right. paper. And write down. And if you can't remember in your in your physicalness, then write down what you feel right. when when spirit wakes you up. You know, right. in those magical twilight hours of the morning, journalists and right in your get out the house for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thank spirit when I can't get out the house. Oh, then I go. Oh, I don't know what you're keeping me from, but I am truly great. I am grateful. Now, when it's time for me to go, you'll let me find those keys. But I'm gonna sit right here. Until you tell me it's time to leave out the house and whatever I'm supposed to be doing can wait. Can wait for me running into somebody or somebody running into me. So, uh, oh yeah, everything, every spirit is always at play. It is up to you to recognize it. You have a business, you need a business. Uh, uh, Somebody says, you know, I want to start a business. I don't know what to do. You don't know what to do. Sit down and let Spirit tell you what to do. Spirit is constantly giving you information on, on what you should do, how you should do it. And I'm going to tell you something else. I was so hard-headed before I started our take stories. 
And when you make a gumbo, your gumbo is unlike anybody else's. And so everything about you that you put your hand on is unlike, and somebody's going to like the way you do. That's right. As a successful transplant, uh, there was a time when, well, first there was a time when I didn't expect to do anything beyond what I was doing in, in my own comfort zone. Like many under the sound of my voice, robbing Peter to pay Paul, you know, trying to keep your bills paid, trying to keep the lights on, and, and, and didn't see a bigger vision for my life and, and how I could be growing of what I knew, really until Hurricane Katrina, what would otherwise be considered one of the worst things ever. But it was out of that environment, it was out of that experience, it was out of the, the magic in nature in, in that moment in, in time space that my eyes came open and, and, and people such as Denise just suggested, you know, say, well, why aren't you offering that? Why aren't you teaching that? You know, where's your YouTube channel? I didn't have a YouTube channel then. I didn't have, you know, many of the social media sites that we interact in today. I'm talking back in the day of Yahoo 360 and MySpace and Black Planet, you know, back, back in the uh, uh, early 2006, 7, 8, 9. And it was in the scope of that time that Spirit gave me a, a bigger vision than I could envision, a bigger dream that I could dream uh, for myself. Um, I know that sounds very Oprah-esque. But, but uh, indeed, that's what happened. And, of course, Quartz Crystal has always been a part of my personal uh, spiritual walk. And so in this new development, third eye being wide open, uh, utilizing Quartz Crystal to uh, refine and focus those vibrations and those energies and, and those visions and, and bring them back to me as real-world reality, and, and it's at the root of, of why I do what I do. It's at the root of um, who I am today. So I, I acknowledge on, on any given day, but most certainly on, on those established uh, ritual days, I most certainly acknowledge uh, the, the spirits that speak to us, that operate uh, for our best interest that traveled with us through the Middle Passage and survived into the New World like Anunnaki and, and Legba and Ogu. And so I acknowledge those powers and, and have been for decades now. Uh, still makes me uncomfortable to say that, you know, makes me feel old. <laughs> but for decades now, I've been uh, acknowledging these powers and these spirits and fulfilling uh, my destiny through the, through the practice, through the magic, through the work, through the healing. Um, and, and in the beginning, it seems almost like a conflict, you know, to make this change, to do something different, to take a different uh, uh, path versus survive and, and to continue to survive in, in the condition that we find ourselves at any point you know, in our existence. Uh, it's a challenge for people who have good jobs, 
who want to be self-employed, know they should be self-employed, and, and there's a part of them that says it's not logical to give up, you know, your degree and, and your years of seniority to try something new or something untested. But often those new and untested things are being spoken to us directly from God, directly from spirit, directly from ancestors. And indeed, if they give you the vision, then they're going to do the work necessary to help you to meet those goals. You just got to put one foot out there. You got to put both hands into the game. And you got to be willing to learn some new things at any age. At any age in your. And step out your comfort zone. Step out your comfort zone. Are you comfortable? Yes. I'm paying my bills, and I got a little money on the side, and I got a little money. Yeah. Step out of that. Baby, you can't grow. Listen, it is not comfortable for a crab to grow in the shell it's in. Why do you think it crawls out of it? Everything crawls out of that shell to just get a little bigger. So you're going to have to, whatever it is you're afraid of, there's no, you are divinely, absolutely, totally, and wonderfully protected, child. You got to know that and crawl out that shell that's already too tight for you so that you may grow. Oh, but they don't think you can do it, but I know you can because I did. Do you think for one minute, uh, I, the first time I stood in front of 15 people to tell a tour that I was to talk about my history to a tour, I was comfortable? No, I was not comfortable. But baby, I I walked in there and I said, I need every ancestor to lay their hands on my back and push me back out on that stage so that I can do what I have to do. And as I started talking and start, you see, storytelling is powerful. As I started talking, because we're shared, we share humanity. My story may not be exactly your story, but something in my story is going to remind you of your story. And when I realized the power of storytelling, I, I understood the foundation in it. And then all I needed to know was the truth. So whatever you're afraid to get out there and do, baby, your shell is already too tight and you need to grow. You need to crawl out that shell so you can go where your ancestors expect you to go. Nothing is limited to you. They survive. The mere fact that you're here tells me you're a superman. You're a superman. And that goes for white folks, too. Because let me tell you, on the Titanic, four white folks went down. The pictures got out. But then four ones got, got. So this goes for whites and blue and black. Not all the time did they come here on a beautiful yacht. They had a struggle, too. It's just your whiteness makes it easier for you than it is for me. It makes you less determined. I'm just more determined because I know uh, I've got to fight five times as hard. Now, we're going to talk the truth. I, I am in no way ever going to deny the truth. So, uh, whites including, uh, they didn't come here easy. I knew some hungry ones because my family used to feed them when the, when the husband wasn't doing the right thing. So, Come on now, y'all. We taught them what to cook. But struggle meals, baby. We taught the neighborhood how to do a struggle meal, how to eat, uh, how to go and pick green, wild greens, okay? 
Come on now. You're supposed to be doing something. Try it on the side. I'm not saying quit your job. I'm saying try it part time. Make it your side hustle. And when your side hustle starts making more money than your real, when your job, then you'll know uh, where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to do. Because your side hustle, you see, you take all that money home, you know. So I'm telling you, you got to take a chance. You got to take that chance. You got to do what you need to do. All right, Ty, I got five more minutes before I do what I need to do. Well, you could give your contact information and um, reiterate that it will actually be me who will be taking the email request for the Tour Plus experience. Right. If people want a regular tour, our sacred stories. If they want a right. Tour Plus experience, then they have to contact me. Right. If you if you want the if you want the rituals after the tour, then you're going to have to. Book through, uh, book through time. If you just want a, a Afro Creole tour uh, uh, of culture and tradition, then you'll book it through our sacred stories. You can give me a call, or you can uh, email me at our sacred stories at our sacred stories dot com. Uh, uh, let me know how many people. We will then work out a time that's. Uh, that's uh, agreeable for both of us because uh, my people are grown, honey. I, and my day is my day. So, you know, I'm very versatile when it comes to time. Now, if you want a tour plus experience where I drop you to the temple and then Ty does the voodoo part of it, then it is Divine Prince at House of the Divine Prince.com. It was good seeing y'all today, but like uh, 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 Prince told you guys, uh, my day, I start running at 6 o'clock in the morning. I have a full schedule every day, and um, my day doesn't end till I'm usually in bed by 8 and sleeping. So uh, it has been my pleasure uh, to do it. I, I have no intention. There has been to, uh, to group me so. Uh, at this time, there has been a uh, lawsuit filed against the Catholic Archdiocese of New Orleans. Uh, there may have been two or three. Um, at this time, I have not sought uh, legal counsel on this matter. This is not something that I am... Uh, totally against. It's not off the table, uh, but not at this time. I have a series of projects I'm trying to get off the, off the, uh, off the ground associated with uh, our sacred stories. And so my focus is getting, I have goals, and my focus is meeting those goals. But I know I have a year from the time that they did it. So there is no hurry. There is no hurry. Um, I tell you what I will not participate in, and that is a, I do not believe in uh, class action suits. I won't be a, a, a member of a class action suit. I will never join one of those. Uh, if, if I do decide to sue the Catholic Church, it will be my company and uh, individually. So 
Thank you for your time, Ty. I will talk to you soon, okay? I'm off to run an errand and see some people. Thank you all. It's been my pleasure. OurSacredStories.com, OurSacredStories at OurSacredStories for my email, OurSacredStories at OurSacredStories. And, um, you know, reach out to me and maybe I can help you plan your visit to New Orleans. If you want a tour plus experience, of course, it's Divine Prince at House of the Divine Prince. You meet me first and then you're dropped off of the voodoo section of your experience. Thank you, Ty. It's been my pleasure. And to your audience, thank you for letting the little old lady have her say. Goodbye. Thank you kindly. Enjoy your day. All Thank the you, blessings. Thank you. I now want to share Becoming the Second Line, a documentary. Becoming the Second Line, a critical component to our maintaining traditional African uh, traditions and, and culture here in beautiful Treme, but also in the, the city of, of New Orleans. Uh, Becoming the Second Line. Motivated adventurers with open minds, 
We learned and experienced more than we ever could have imagined. This is our first film project, and we began planning weeks in advance for this exciting endeavor. We had a plan we wanted to follow, and interviews lined up for the week ahead of us. We planned visits to the above-ground graveyard, Tulane University, the University of New Orleans, and museums in an attempt to fit as much into one week as possible and to gather the most footage. I'm John McCasco, we're in New Orleans. It's Mother's Day, 2013. Clarinet sounds like a cat being swung around by the tail, huh? What is going to be my catawalling? He lives with his mother for 
many years, and he's kind of left his devices here at Rampart Street. He's the friends of the Karnowski family. It's a Lithuanian Jewish family that ran a number of businesses, including a tailor shop, which they ran out of this location right here. And you can see they were the model tailors. Lewis would ride in the delivery wagon, and he would eat with them afterwards. He loved eating kosher food, he said. If we go around back, we can see where the Karnowski kitchen would have been. Native tribal allegiances. The Twi would be over here. The Mandinka would be over here. The 
you know, uh, the wool off would be over here. So the Americans, when they took over in 1803, didn't feel they could just put this down. They didn't feel they could let it go on either. So in 1808, they passed the law banning dancing at the city's market, save the one that was here. This was the Congo Square Market. And what they unwittingly did was create a sensation because instead of having 50, 60, 70 Africans dancing at any one of the markets, you've got 500 Africans dancing here. And people who visit New Orleans um, start writing about Congo Square and how unique it is in the Americas and how people should come and see it. It almost becomes something of a tourist trap uh, in a way. It was, it was this wild thing that you wanted to go and do. And what's important there is you've got a culture not of the written word, but of oral tradition. Musicianship is handed directly down. Music isn't written down. It's up here. Um, but more importantly than just the music, you've got the concept of public dance, of dancing in the open air with the community. Now, what develops at another one of the city squares, at the same time the Congo Square is going, you've got African, West African drumming and dancing going on here. Is at the Plaza Arms, which is now Jackson Square, as early as the 1780s, you've got military fight and drum corps marching there. By the 1830s, modern valve and uh, brass instruments are invented, and brass bands become popular around the world, but particularly in New Orleans. There is a note in the New Orleans Picayune from 1838 noting a mania in New Orleans for horny trumpet playing. So you've got this brass band, martial traditions carrying on over Jackson Square, and then you've got this African music making and public dance going on. Let's think about how those two worlds can come together and what we're bringing them together. Collections and curators of the Hogan Jazz Archive at Tulane. 
Uh, my training is in history, so I have a PhD in history as opposed to either of the police. I've also worked as a donor in the Orleans for the past 33 years. So I sort of have a merging of the perspectives of a working musician with a trained scholar. Associations in the Black community in New Orleans, which in many cases evolved into social aid and pleasure clubs, are older than jazz. Association, the purpose of which was to provide social services for immigrant populations that were all rivaling and trying to find a place for themselves in the city of New Orleans. And so social services, uh, the equivalent of health insurance, for example, access to medical uh, uh, facilities, and in the case of many benevolent associations, a funeral for a vast bank. Uh, as part of the package to paid uh, dues to have those services. Thank <laughs> you. 
We would have Germans, we would have Portuguese, we would have uh, French, we had three people of color, all had these benevolent societies. And they they were institutionalized the use of brass bands in marching funeral traditions. And what evolves with this tradition of marching with the brass band for funerals is that the audience for these doesn't stand on the sidelines and watch the parade go by like a Mardi Gras parade. You fall in and you participate and follow it along. That's called the second line. Essentially, when Pedro Krebs today, we learned about the, uh, the second lines that they run, their annual parade. And uh, it's fellowship. So, in other words, they are, uh, this is how they uh, display who they are to the community. We have been in during our life like that. You're still going to notify a fence and other things will be resumed. And then when they realize, oh, real black people are really having a good time. I want to have them go back out upon them. Because it's always been a whole affair except segregation kept us apart. I'm Ronald W. Lewis. I'm the president of the Original Big Nine Association. He has a little name. I'm a lifelong resident. He has a series of all the little names. I'm still working with the housing team. We think he has a little name. I'm a member of the Northwest Army Bomb Gang. I'm a prank all over. I'm a member of I'm a new audience. And in being social, the best part of my life. I'm working with people. So these are people who are involved in trying to improve communications and conditions within their own communities, but also to put on a public show, which is intended for the community. And it's for themselves, but it's for the community. And of course, the second line is the community response to these uh, these parades. You know, you don't just witness the second line; you become a part of the second line. The way you do that is by dancing. Um, and it doesn't make any difference if you're a good dancer or a bad dancer. It's like the spirit that you bring to dance. Same sort of thinking that you have with that African dance. That's why I said the African dance is more important, more so than the music on a certain level, because you have the idea of dancing up in every community. Well, no longer dancing in a circle, it's the bamboos like Africans. We're following the European style brass band down the street. <laughs> Thank you. 
I felt like part of the army, and it didn't seem like anyone else was leaving yet. I felt unstoppable. But now I know what it feels like to march in a battle unarmed. And it's frightening to think that one or two armed men can bring an entire army to its knees the way they did. I'm just grateful that no one died. shooting victims at a second line to celebrate Mother's Day. And you would think that that holiday of all holidays would be kind of sacrosanct. But the fact is, it's, it's not the second line itself that attracts the violence. It's a reflection of the violence that's already in the areas and has been for a long time. What a second line does is provide the same thing Mardi Gras does, the same thing uh, the Grambling Southern game uh, does, which is large outdoor events with big crowds of people 
And if you're trying to set a score, uh, having a big crowd to sort of blend back into after you've, um, you've shot people uh, is an escape route. It's also a spectacular way to publicize uh, your act, uh, very much like the bombings in Boston uh, at the marathon. It's the same thing. You have a lot of people out, a lot of media attention. Uh, if you want to be famous for an hour, uh, you commit an act that, uh, you know, essentially terrorizing the community. It can happen at any time with anybody. Mm-hmm. And I hear someone to call me and ask me, well, what would make somebody do something like that? I say, what would make somebody take and set bombs off and blow up against some people running in America? No different. Mm-hmm. You know, people who care nothing about life or, you know, do those sort of things. Today, the way the word terrorism this framed has to do with specific events and specific groups that are often uh, seen as the, uh, the perpetrators. Uh, the way I use the term is anyone who commits an act of violence, the express purpose of which is to create terror in the minds of the community, is a terrorist. It's not about social class. Right. You know, you have 26,000 people running in Boston. And why they all were running together? Because they had that common bond of running. This would connect them. And they come from a variance of social background. Right. Do you see what I'm saying? Right. We got 26,000 people that had the common connection. And we're doing what they were doing that makes them happy and makes them feel good. And here, these two characters grew people to help. And I know the guns were the around people's names. It's supposed to be no guns on the police parade route, but the eyewitness, they were doing like a follow-up report. They had about 29 people who got caught on parade routes with guns. Only two of them got convicted. That's parade route. So if you, if you look at the parade route, the state of that put on the bottom of it, it is all all of them being the same state. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've seen that before. Yeah. I've seen those statements. Yeah. 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 Leave here, leave my job, I'm home. Might sit on the porch, go to the bakery shop or something, but I really don't go to many places. Now, occasionally there's animosity between bands. Uh, and, you know, the Red Bull brass band blowout that they had in uh, 2010, for example, TBC was a competitor in that. The Stooges ended up winning it. Um, Show levels were in there too. There were some hard feelings afterwards, and there have been running feuds that have led to fistfights uh, between different bands uh, because it's a very competitive scene. You know, who gets hired makes a big difference. And social and pleasure clubs tend to have preferences that are 
driven by who's popular at the time, who is reputed to put on the best show. Uh, Stooges, for example, have been very popular because they really know how to work an audience. Not the repertoire, stay attitude towards entertainment that makes them particularly competitive. Um, and so, you know, they've, they've had issues with Rebirth. The Rebirth, for a long time, was used to being number one. And, and often it is number one. Prior to her play, Katrina Hare was sort of like the flavor of that year in 2005. So it varies. But these guys don't use drugs to resolve their differences. And more often than not, even fistfights are rare. Uh, they're usually from other ways to deal with it. One of my mom's boyfriends, he was with the Rebirth Brass Band, he was a saxophone player. So I used to, you know, go with him, we practiced and stuff. But I basically used to stay with them because we had never really had a father. So, you know. I wanted to be on that lane, so I used to go with him and see, but even when I was young, the same stuff, been, you know, been going on. It calmed down for a while, and now it looks like it's getting, you know, worse. It's worse now. I went from project to project, uptown, downtown. I didn't sing a lot, heard a lot, and I don't know, like I said, that excites them. Whoever got the biggest clip, who's going to make the most noise and bigger bullets, that excites them. The guy that was 19, he did the shooting for Monday. They said he just recently got out of jail for possession of drugs, um, illegal firearms, but he bonded out, and he was still going to court. I'm going to traffic court for license suspended and a DWI charge. They're trying to give me 30 days in jail. Um, you can get a gun and you know, quicker than you can buy a book from the store. Serious. I think usually they know what they want to accomplish, and frequently it is about a specific victim that they're using the crowd to settle a score, and there are many scores to settle, and this situation was exacerbated post-Katrina, uh, particularly among high school students because certain high schools were closed down, and so the kids that in those neighborhoods were part of that community were forced to go to high schools in other neighborhoods where they were seen to be invaders. And, for example, the, uh, the murder of uh, Daniel Shavers, uh, the Snowdale murder uh, uh, uh occurred precisely because his stepson was forced to go to another high school, tried to bond with a young girl in that high school. That was seen as uh, transgression by her peers, and uh, they were shooting at him, and were not good with chops. He killed Daniel instead. Uh, that took away uh, one of the top positions in the Orleans. Uh, but it shows us you know, that there are backstories uh, to this violence. They had a park for each war, like the Seven War, Eighth War, Third War. Now, they don't even have parks. Some of them are coming up, but they don't have anything for the kids to do. So I ain't going to say, you know, when you start playing guns, but. That's what it is, lack of resources. That's what I blame on. 
But then I saw Hope when Hood, my tattoo artist, said that things in New Orleans, specifically the tourism, were back to normal. Yet he still said that things were different. when I saw violence and experienced it firsthand. Everything and all my questions then hung in the balance, suspended, waiting for answers. Then came doubt when a woman on the street gave us a picture of doubt complete with decay and doom, of the transgressions of the past of her changed universe. I saw prejudice then and remnants of the past complete with inequalities and segregation. desperation in those who held signs asking for money, truly looking malnourished and not just in need of a beer. In the middle of fear and paranoia, I experienced care and concern from strangers. The man at the corner store who asked me if I was okay, and the baristas at Ombe who paid great compliments to my owl tattoo and showed me that the world wasn't out to get me after all. I saw care and concern in the faces of my peers and mentors and those who didn't even know me when I talked at Sunday's event. I saw love as parents screamed for their children in the midst of chaos, risking their lives in order to make sure their loved ones were okay. I saw the edge of death and how fragile a life can be as I watched a cyclist get hit by a car. I watched him groan as he was strapped into the gurney and was taken away by the ambulance, leaving behind a head-shaped dent in the windshield of the car that hit him, and plenty of blood across the pavement. I saw death as we followed a funeral with music, as inside the glass hearse there rested a dead body in a coffin. Yet, I saw joy on the faces of those who followed their deceased loved ones. In a procession of death, I saw acceptance of death, which is really just the acceptance of life itself. There will always be those who hope and those who doubt. New Orleans will live on because of the ones who believe in her and believe that life goes on. And those who revel in resiliency are those whose spirits will live on forever. I like to dance, probably out of my love for music. But I've always felt uncomfortable about dancing in public. And here we were, at a jazz funeral, in broad daylight, in a crowd, and at a funeral for someone I didn't know. And yet, it was time to dance. Time to pay my respect to the recently deceased. I wasn't the only one dancing, but I still felt a little out of place. (laughs) 
term jazz funerals is a colloquialism used in New Orleans today for when a brass band escorts a body from the church or to the cemetery, uh, historically playing sad songs on the way to the cemetery and happy songs on the way back. The live musician would be doing my call the jazz funeral. Uh, Tourist Commission has to call the jazz funeral because, you know, that resonates with visitors. But uh, a lot of musicians have actually um, interrogated that terminology and, and prefer to call it a funeral of music or a brass band funeral because you don't always play jazz. <laughs> The traditional ritual requires uh, that if you are accompanying the body either to internment or to where the hearse goes apart from the entourage, um, you play dirges. It's a sign of respect. The brass band frequently would play spirituals in March time when they're on their way to where the mortuary or a person's house or wherever they meet up with the body and the body becomes part of the, uh, the entourage. Uh, after the body's interred, they're taken away uh, what they call cutting loose the body. Then it's appropriate to play jazz. So to characterize anything as a jazz event is actually a little bit uh, misleading because there are different components. The practice and even the musical selections predate the jazz era by at least 50 years. In an 1863 copy of the Times Picayune, there's a page two editorial polemicizing against the use of brass bands at funerals. Why? Well, we were in the middle of the yellow fever epidemic. So if you're up dying of yellow fever in your Rampart Street apartment, the last thing you want to hear is a brass band going by playing a funeral dirge. But the interesting thing about the article is it describes how ubiquitous these are says who has these funerals, which is militia units, fire companies, and benevolent associations, and that they play somber dirges in the way the cemetery and game life scenarios in the way back. So the whole psychology of what a New Orleans funeral was actually predates the jazz era. Jazz just long gone to it later on. But that's where the beginnings of it are. The kinds of music that they're, that they're playing at like jazz funerals now really totally different. It's not jazz. It's it's brass band music, but they're not influenced by ragtime and blues. They're influenced by hip hop um, and that sort of thing. Even the horn sections of like '70s bands like Earthwind and Fire, um, things like that. All that plays in. But it's an entirely different music. Just like the music the brass bands played for the funerals in 1863 was different from what was played in 1910. You know, this is different. What's being played now is totally different. It's going to be like this. They play one chord. There are no changes. There's no progression. Boom, 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 boom. And then the other ones are coming up. They'll stay on one chord for 20 minutes. 
the 1990s, one of the things we saw was that many of the younger bands got involved in funerals where they just wanted to play hot all the time. And so they might do one dirge or they might dispense the dirges entirely. In other words, they changed the ritual. And this is one of the interesting aspects of looking at brass bands in New Orleans because it's really a very vital component in terms of the jazz environment here. We see lots of young musicians coming in and changing things. Uh, this becomes uh, a point of contention because the more conservative older musicians often react negatively to that. So now this is a tradition. It's meant to be respected. But exactly where that interface of innovation and tradition occurs in New Orleans changes from one generation to the next. And there's got to be innovation. Otherwise, you know, we wouldn't be talking about a continuum of jazz development that covers further century now. and throughout the week, we had been searching the city for a jazz funeral. At the last moment, we found one, and we were able to experience what we came looking for all along. We thought it was what we were looking for anyway. In our pre-trip planning, the jazz funeral was our main focus, but after the shooting on Mother's Day, our research had evolved. Throughout our time in New Orleans, we bridged the gap from observers to participants in a culture that was so new and fascinating to us. And despite how much we have learned about New Orleans, we've only just scratched the surface. We came looking, looking for a jazz funeral, but we but found so much more. We got all the families from the Trippie neighborhood in the road. I bought a Thank <laughs> you. 
Centuries before our arrival, a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated, the almost Indians prepared this place for us. Centuries before our arrival, Congo Square, a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated, and as the colonizers came, 
our host, the Omus Indians. They pushed aside our host. The colonizers came and pushed aside our host and introduced us in chains. And by the late 1700s, we somehow, recognizing the sacredness of Les Places de Congo, we somehow, and the how of our somehow persuasive methodologies is not clear at this moment. The how is not clear. How our persuasive methodologies worked is not clear at this moment, but nevertheless, even as slaves, we crafted and created a space where we could be free to be we. And thusly, thusly we countered the sacrilegiousness of the French, giving great homage to our ancestors as well as giving praise and thanks to our red-blooded brothers and sisters. This is an oral libation toast to Congo Square, to Native Americans, to our ancestors who made a circle out of a square and gave us a way to stay ourselves, save ourselves from the transformatory ugliness of America, which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life and celebrates death with crosses and crosses, double and triple crosses, the middle passage, the first cross, Christianity, the double cross, and capitalism, the ultimate triple coup de grace cross of our captivity. But the terror of crosses notwithstanding, we sang, we beat, we be, we was and is. Hail Congo Square. Congo, Congo Square. Our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated inside the beat of us. Inside the beat of us, our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated, retreated inside the beat of us until we are ready to release them into a world that we recreate, a world harrowed by the beat, 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 being, beating, being of black heart drums, heart beat, heart beat. Heart be at this place, at this place be heart be be we beating place in new world space beating being in place in new world preserving our ancient pace. Our dance is the God walk, our music the God talk. First thing we do. Let's get together, circle ourselves into community. No beginning, no end, connected together. And singing, ringing, singing in a ring. Second, let's be original. 
aboriginal. Be what we were before we became what we are. Be bambula dance. Be banza music. And sing song words which have no English translation. Third, let us remember. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. The bounce, the blood, flow, the feel, the spirit, grow, energy, must retain and pass on the essential us-ness that others want to dissipate with out of us. But no matter, no matter how much of us they prohibit, no matter how much of us they prohibit, deep inside us is us. Deep inside us is us. Remains us inside and needs only the beat to set us free. The beat to free us. It is morning. A sun day. A feel. A feel. Without shade. But dark. Dark with the people black of us in various, various, various shades, eclipsing the sun with our elegance. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us to remember, to beat, to be. We are centuries later now, and still, this sacred ground calls us to remember, to beat, to be. Beat Congo Square. Be. Congo Square. Beat.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.